Hello, this is Melissa Hale Spencer, the editor of the Altamont Enterprise, here as always with co-publisher Marcello Yaya, ready to page through this week's news. Our front page is entirely H. Rose Schneider. On Monday, the day after Easter, Rose went on a coyote walk at Five Rivers, and this little girl, the day after Easter, is pointing to some coyote scat with rabbit hair, and she likened it to an egg hunt. (laughs) The kids were on vacation, but learning a lot, as they always do at Five Rivers. Rose also had our top story. She looked at a bill by the county legislature covering parts of Gilderland for the Albany County, and his name is Brian Clenahan, and he is putting forward a bill that would ban conversion therapy for minors, and this is so-called therapy that is used to change someone's or negate someone's sexual orientation. The hearing for that is going to be April 24th, pending an April 9th discussion of it by the county ledge. Rose also had a story on a suit she's been following. You may remember a group of neighbors were surprised. They live near the old Cass Camp, Cass, <laughs> Cass Camp, which is now a training ground for Park Police, and they were hearing gunshots. Turns out a gunshot range had been built, and they sued and settled, and the range is now not going to be used. This week's editorial is coming from two stories we did last week where a town board member in Bern had shared our emails with us. They were exchanges among the board members there, and we look at how Emails apply to the New York State sunshine laws captured by Carol Coogan in her illustration. There are two sunshine laws in New York State. One is the open meetings law, so that these email exchanges cannot be used to vote. You can exchange information on agenda, you can ask questions if you're an elected official, but you're not to deliberate and line up positions as if voting. The second open meetings law, of course, is the freedom of information law, and those emails, if they're exchanged among town officials, are subject to that law, and so we encourage towns, school boards, village boards to set up a system so that they are retrievable when the public or reporters like ourselves request them. In the meantime, there should at least be CC'd, carbon copied electronically to the town clerk. And here we have Anita Clayton, the town clerk in Bern, writing about that issue. We also have a letter from Travis O'Donnell in Knox, who was not appointed, reappointed to the planning board there, answering a question or series of questions from last week's letter to the editor, and another Knox letter from uh, Marla Briggs, who had served previously on the Conservation Advisory Council in Knox and has been reappointed again. Back in time, interesting stuff from 100 years ago in the midst of World War I. We have Mary Ellen Johnson writing her historic column this week on wanderers 
in our midst from a century ago and in the early 20th century, which included gypsies with trained bears, also uh, Roma, as they're called today, um, and also looks at tramps and thieves. We have a letter from Leonard Laub up in Westerlo, who was thrilled with the exchanges and openness of the most recent town board meeting there. A letter from Donna Gwynn, president of the Friends of the Burden Library, inviting everyone to buy a bowl for books. It's a fundraiser with hand-painted pottery bowls, and you can meet the library's new director, Kathy Stemple. We also have another letter from Victor Porlier in Bern, this time responding to two letter writers who were in favor of the student marches that recently took place, and Mr. Porlier is arguing that we no longer have shared viewpoints as a nation. Pictures of a helicopter landing on Helderberg Trail near the school, which is right over here in Bern, but not for an emergency this time, thank goodness, but to train students as part of a course, and the local volunteer firefighters were on the scene to direct traffic around that. Um, Jerry Stoner has written us in support of Wesley Laraway. There's a race for the seat in the assembly that was vacated by Mr. Lopez and Pete Lopez, and Rose will have profiles of those candidates for you next week. We have a letter from Sue Hennessy, Sue Hennessy in Gilderland, who is supporting Chris Aldridge for the town justice post vacated by Richard Sherwood when he was arrested on felony charges. He's one of 14 candidates vying for that spot. We also have a letter from the executive director of the Fresh Air Fund promoting a program I just think is wonderful. We really enjoyed having a fresh air daughter at our home. The old man of the mountain (laughs) asked the question, what is an OF on vacation from after all? And we have here two students, one of them from Voorheesville, Ryan Schenmeyer, who right now are competing in New York City in a national contact contest for students of mechanics. So congratulations, and we wish him well. Here is Daniel McCoy, who was making his annual State of the County rounds and was at the Gilderland Town Board meeting, and one of the interesting things he talked about was a group headed by the former public defender James Milstein that is educating people in criminal justice and the courts on treatment of immigrants. The story itself by Elizabeth Floyd Mayer is looking at what's happening with Reval in Gilderland. There was, of course, a huge uprising when the equalization rate set by the state changed markedly, leaving people in the lurch for county taxes and in school districts other than Gilderland. And the town board has signed on to be part of cyclical revaluation, promising to do it every four or five years so things don't get so badly out of whack. And in return, they may get a small amount of money for each parcel that's revalued. Sean Mulcairin has written about the proposed Voorheesville budget, $3.25 million, And the reason it looks so much higher is 
is because of the work being done on sidewalks. The actual day-to-day village expenses are pretty much steady. Sean has also written about the Altamont budget, which you can find in the second half of this story, which is similar in that the day-to-day expenses are pretty much the same, cost of living increase in salaries for workers, but there's some large expenses on uh, the brick facade of the building as well as a fire truck that, that you know, temporarily have, have it spike up. The lead on the story is the Dr. Krauts house, which our readers have been following along with us. And now the village, as well as the town, has decided not to have it knocked down, but rather to seek a buyer that could restore it. And they have outlined a restrictive covenant so that the buyer would preserve the historic features. This is the jump on Rose's story having to do with the conversion therapy. And this man, Judd Crasher, who we interviewed 12 years ago when he was a B. Burnox Westerlo student running for the school board, um, says he had a brush with this kind of therapy and some of his friends went through it and feels it's very detrimental and spoke out about it eloquently. Rose also talked to a man who is part of a group called Courage that's blessed by the Catholic Church and it's for people who believe that same-sex attractions are wrong and um, as a result, become chaste as, as if they have those kinds of affections. More from Rose on the citizen suit. This is the headquarters at the Park Training Center, and the response she got from Parks Department was um, that it is shut for now, which leaves open the question of whether they might go through the process again properly this time with what's called a positive declaration for the State Environmental Quality Review. Here is Rose's profile of Marla Briggs, who has a wonderful amount of experience in environmentalism and enjoys living in Knox, she says. And here's a very, very special picture. Joanne Brady at the center was a dear friend of Phyllis Johnson, who, of course, our readers know because she was such a lively columnist on our pages um, and even wrote a column about her death from cancer. This is a donation so that firefighters can have masks to put on dogs or cats and help them breathe as they're being rescued. And Joanne hopes that this will inspire similar donations to other local fire departments. We hope so too. Lots as always going on at our libraries. And here we have code crackers at Bethlehem that met over break and solved some pretty twisted mind benders. <laughs> and coming to Gilderland is Andrea J. Buchanan, who's going to speak about her books. Elizabeth Floyd Mayer was on the scene early, early Easter morning when a single car, a Jeep, actually a Jeep Compass, hit this telephone pole. The driver left the car and later turned himself in, had several uh, infractions against him. But he severed the pole, and you can see how it's being held up and repaired. As always, we have arrests in our area and many, many, many community events this time of year. Elizabeth also wrote, as she has before, following up on the story about the Larned Mine, which is a very large mine on Stitt Road, and 
um, Timothy Larned fulfilled his promise to the town to redo the road. You can see it's beautiful. It cost him over half a million dollars, he says. At the same time that he's paid off old fines, he still has some new fees pending before opening, and he may be joined by Frederick Wagner, who has a five-acre mine nearby, just a 20th of the size of this one, on Stitt Road, and donated some of the land for this new road, and has gotten permits from the DEC, Department of Environmental Conservation, but is waiting for permission from the town. At the bottom of our page here are pictures of our latest podcast interviewees. We have Richard Tolner of Rensselaerville, who spoke eloquently about how his soul was seared when he was abused by a priest as a teenager. He's a very, very strong advocate for the Child Victims Act, which, of course, was not included in the last session um, when the budget was hammered out. But he as part of a group that's moving forward and hoping to get it on the Senate floor for a vote. It's got overwhelming support in the Assembly and also from the governor. It would extend the statute of limitations for victims of child sex abuse to press their charges. Here we have Paul and Mary Liz Stewart, who are on a podcast speaking about the project they founded, the Underground Railroad History Project, which is housed in a wonderful old row house they're restoring in Arbor Hill that was the home of Harriet and Stephen Myers, who were very active in the Underground Railroad, and we had a fascinating discussion with them. The top of the page belongs to a story by Elizabeth about the Gilderland Food Pantry, which since it was founded nearly 40 years ago has been in the cellar, the basement level of the Hamilton Union Presbyterian Church, which has been a problem for people going up and down stairs. And Sue Hennessy is a member of Christ Church in Gilderland and is overseeing the move with her husband who co-runs the pantry to have it housed there, which will be larger and more in the center of town. Classified ads, lots of good student news, topped with Kaylee Reynolds Flynn, who goes to Burn Knox Westerlo, the first year they've had a Future Farmers of America chapter. And she came in first in the District 2 competition with her work on what they call canine units, which are trained police dogs. And she's now in May going to go to state competition. Congratulations, Kaylee. And our high school graduates who have gone on to colleges and are doing well are all listed there for you to admire. We had four obituaries this week. Barbara Denise Harris, who's described by her family as an exquisite human being. Deline Ogsbury Rallison, whose daughter-in-law said she was unique. Joan Foss Benson, whose husband and son just had wonderful things to say about her work as a teacher and as a toll painter and describing how they fell in love. It turns out her husband was training to be a priest, but chose this life instead. Finally, we have an obituary for Richard Donald Zink, who was originally from Rensselaerville and Family was the most important thing in his life, his family said. Senior News, Alice Gibbs is filling us in on the many trips coming up for the Hilltown Seniors and the daily schedule, as always, for the Gilderland Seniors. The Kiwanis Club of the Helderberg are at it again. They assemble at Mike Hammond's shop and build 
bluebird houses every year, 102 this year, and you can buy them and it will help with youth projects in the Hilltowns. And we have columnist Frank L. Palmieri with 100, count them, 100 tips plus a bonus on how to live your life. And he does that with his typical humor. Once we get through our legals notices, and we encourage people to read the local ones and stay informed on their town's business, we have more successful students. These are chefs from BOCES who won a recent uh, state pro start competition, and we congratulate them. More good news from our students who have gone on to colleges. And we have a teen from Del Mar, Ava DeSantis, who is organizing a, the first 5K for Earth Day race on the rail trail. And we will probably have more on that. Our back page, splendid pictures as always by Michael Koff, who stood out in the rain, sleet, and snow to take these. And it's a loss for the Dutch to Boston Spa. The Boston Spa field was too muddy and snowy, so they played on the lovely artificial green, green grass of Union College. And with that, we wish you a good week.